Find the life you didn't think was possible with the Jesus you never knew. Together, let's slow down a little and pay better attention to the most significant person in history. Welcome to the podcast, Paying Ridiculous Attention to Jesus, with your host, Rick Lawrence, brought to you by Lifetree. Visit us at JesusCenteredLife.com. Hi, listeners. This is Season 6, Episode 18. My name is Rick. I'm author of the Jesus Center Daily release last October, general editor of the Jesus Centered Bible, and the author of a lot of titles of books that have Jesus in them. There you have it. There's the quickest bio I can give you. Just remember, by the way, the Jesus Center Daily is a, a great gift to give to that recent graduate, or if you have friends and family that have birthdays in the summer, or even stocking up on Christmas gifts for the fall. Right now, I think it's actually less than $10 on Amazon. So that is a fantastic deal. So head on over there if, you, if you're interested in a, a gift for someone in your life, or if there's somehow I have not badgered you into buying this, this little devotional already, if you're a regular listener, go out and get it today. So this is the first, very first episode in a new series that I'm calling The Harvest. Um, it's a, let me explain that. The harvest, uh, you know, when we think of a harvest, we're thinking of harvesting crops or fruit. We're going to focus on fruit, and we know that all fruit is harvested from a tree. And without the tree, there's no fruit. And each tree produces a certain kind of fruit. So... Jesus has invited us to attach to him like a branch in a tree or a vine. And when we do, we produce fruit after its own kind. But Jesus is no ordinary fruit tree. Out of that one tree, many, many varieties of fruit are naturally produced. So we're going to explore each variety of fruit that the tree of Jesus produces. And we're going to explore it not only in ourselves, how does this fruit show up in ourselves? How does it become a part of our everyday life? But we're going to track it back to its source in the tree, who is Jesus. I hope all that makes sense. And today we're going to explore maybe the tastiest fruit on that tree. It's called brave. Brave. I think courage is a primary fruit that shows up in our life as we become more deeply attached to Jesus. And we can track that fruit back to the character of Jesus himself. He naturally produces courage. And therefore, when we're attached to him, we naturally produce courage. I think that courage in general lives under the radar in our everyday life. Um, we don't recognize how many little acts of courage uh, we do on a regular basis. Um, in fact, if, if I asked you right now to raise your hand, if you think that you need courage a lot on a daily basis, just go ahead, raise your hand. The people around you won't think you're weird. They'll think they missed the question somewhere. <laughs> but if you think you need courage a lot on a daily basis, raise your hand. Then consider, well, maybe you think that you only need it just a little on a daily basis. You could raise your hand to that. And then if you think you need courage only um, occasionally 
like not very often at all on a daily basis, raise your hand again. So I did this, this little thing that we just walked through. I just did this poll with a random group of people and out of the like 15 people that were there, about 80% raised their hand and said they need courage pretty much every day. And then another um, 15% or even higher than that, it's probably even higher than that, raised their hand and said they needed a little every day. And then there was one person in that group who said that he didn't think he needed courage on an everyday basis uh, very often at all. And I think that person was not really in touch <laughs> with what was actually going on inside of him, because I think that, that that little poll is quite true about all of us, that we all need courage on an everyday basis, and it feels like we need it all the time. So, um, in, in, in fact, if, if I asked you to pause and think about when was the last time I needed courage? I, I bet if you just pause to consider it, you would discover that it wasn't that long ago, like five minutes ago, maybe. Because <laughs> these little acts of courage that we, that we experience or um, express on an everyday basis, they really do fly under the radar. Courage means different things to different people, though. So uh, what, what is courageous for you might not be for the next person. So uh, I often have people, um, because I speak a lot, I just finished officiating a wedding and I did some other speaking in the last week. I often have people um, who don't know me really well assume, like I had people this week when I was officiating the wedding, they assumed that, that I, because I do this a lot, that I'm probably pretty relaxed about it. And Actually, for the wedding, when I, when I was the officiant, uh, the parents of the groom saw me uh, walking back and forth outside. It was an outside wedding, and I got there an hour and a half ahead of time, and I was pacing back and forth, praying and trying to envision where the Spirit of Jesus had led me, what he had led me to talk about for the wedding. And I was just wandering, and I didn't realize it, but they saw me wandering out there. And after the fact, they told my wife, oh, we were a little concerned because it looked like Rick was, was uh, really, really nervous, but it turned out great. So, and I, and I thought they didn't realize that for me doing this takes a lot of courage, even though I do it a lot. Um, it, it, uh, I feel fear and, and then I have to lean into that fear. And what's beautiful about that is it causes me to depend on Jesus when I do. And then it becomes something Jesus and I do together. So, after all of these years of speaking in front of people, I still have the same feeling of fear every time I do it. That means it requires courage. So uh, how do we develop everyday courage? Um, you know, uh, it starts from an early age. Um, little children start developing courage even before they can speak or walk or anything. In attachment theory, the importance of bonding early on to a safe and trusted authority. It's, it's been revealed as a paramount for lifelong health and the adjustment of that child. Meaning the child needs to attach to someone in a position of authority who, who is uh, trusted to be a refuge of strength for that child. So once that 
stable base has been established, the child orients his or her safety and ability to explore and adventure and take risks from the foundation of that base. So the connection is strengthened as the child faces fearsome things or scary things and reaches out to reattach to their stable base, learning over and over again to trust. The point is to develop a trusting relationship with the stable base that can one day decouple from it physically. Meaning as we live into our adulthood, we know we can't always run into the arms of our parents to find refuge when we're afraid. That parent-child stable base relationship then becomes a pattern or a metaphor as we learn how to attach to our greater stable base, who is Jesus himself. But that's not an easy transition for most. All of us have struggled to trust in our relationship with him. In fact, it's probably not hard to think of a time when circumstances or your own growth curve made it difficult to trust God. Maybe God didn't seem to care or come through in the way you desperately needed him to come through. Or maybe certain situations or challenges or people have made it a real struggle for you to trust. Um, I, I want you to think about this in terms of how has your stable base with Jesus been challenged in your life? When was the last time you really felt like you were struggling to trust him? Well, it's that trust that fuels our ability to have courage. If we can't trust our stable base, then everything in life requires courage. And we just don't have an unending store of it. In fact, our fuel tank of courage is a, is a, is a lot more close to empty than we realize. Um, we, we can't continuously be fueling courage in our lives um, before we feel pretty exhausted. So, so Jesus, again, points to the example of children as our template for living inside the kingdom of God. He says, you, you, you can't enter the kingdom of God unless you become like a child, and entering means living inside of it. So the nature of a child's relationship with his or her stable base is something that Jesus wants us to return to in our relationship with him because little kids have a incredibly trusting relationship with their stable base. They have to learn not to trust over life. And you and I both know that life has a way of teaching you not to trust because of all of its disappointments and struggles and disintegrations. So, but, but a child's relationship with their stable base is almost completely trusting. They're completely dependent on that stable base for their survival. And so they do. And in most cases, that, that trust, especially initially, is built into a strong foundation. Now, of course, there's abuse and uh, di very dysfunctional situations that eat away at that trust. All of us have experienced that. But for a small child, there's never a time in their life where their trust in their stable base is stronger than when they're a child. And here's where Jesus wants us to return to in sort of a miraculous way to return to our stable base relationship with him. That is called a miracle. <laughs> so if we are to reestablish that kind of trusting relationship, which then leads, fuels our courage in life, um, a miracle is going to have to happen. Well, let's take a look at a miraculous story 
of trust that involves trust from Matthew chapter 14. This is Jesus walking on water. So uh, right before this little story, um, Jesus has been with the huge crowds on a hillside uh, feeding the 5,000. And um, he had wanted to get some rest. He tried to get away. He couldn't. Uh, and he's back ministering to people. And after he's finally done at the end of the day, he really, really, really wants to go away and be alone with his father. So that's where we pick up in Matthew 14, 22 through 32. Immediately after this, and that this is the feeding of the 5,000, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and cross to the other side of the lake while he sent the people home. After sending them home, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. Night fell while he was there alone. Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble far away from land, for a strong wind had risen, and they were fighting heavy waves. About three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them, walking on the water. When the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. In their fear, they cried out, it's a ghost. But Jesus spoke to them at once. Don't be afraid, he said. Take courage, I'm here. Then Peter called to him, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. Yes, come, Jesus said. So Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on the water toward Jesus. But when he saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified and began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. You have so little faith, Jesus said. Why did you doubt me? When they climbed back into the boat, the wind stopped. Then the disciples worshiped him. You really are the son of God, the son of God, they exclaimed. So let's, let's think about this story for a second. Let's dive into it. First, let's answer Jesus' question. He says to Peter, why did you doubt me? So why did Peter doubt him? So middle of the night, it's a stormy night. Uh, these experienced fishermen are scared because of the storm. Um, in the middle of the night, you know, in that deepest, darkest time of night, when every sound seems like a scary sound, um, they see a person walking on the water close enough for them to see in the night. It, of course, they think it's a ghost. What a scary sight. So they, they, after they get over their initial shock and they're trying to understand, is this really Jesus coming? Because Jesus has done some crazy things before, but they've never seen this. So Peter, of course, asks a bold question. Is it really you? Um, if it's really you, tell me to come to you, he says, walking on the water. Peter is so bold. So Peter steps over the side. And we have no, we, we treat this story um, almost like a cartoon. You know, it's real, but not really real. And we don't really think about what would it be like step over the side of a boat in the middle of the night in a storm and, and put your feet on the water and have them not sink. But then you take little baby steps toward this ghost-like figure on the water. Well, Peter is focused on Jesus initially, and the shock of actually walking on water probably overtook him. But then he became self-conscious, right? <laughs> like all of us would, he became self-conscious. In fact, probably he's thinking, I'm walking on water, I'm walking on water, I'm walking on water. Um, once he started uh, getting into his head, 
about this, um, he started to sink. Now think about our stable-based relationship. The trusting childs, their, their focus is on the anchor of their stable base. That's what allows them to safely go out and play and take risks at the playground because they know that their stable base is nearby. If the parent suddenly disappeared, they would suddenly be anxious. Um, so that's another way of saying that as Peter was on the water there, Jesus disappeared to him in a way because he became more self-conscious than other focused on Jesus. He started out that way, which is bold in and of itself. But when Peter started to think about his own assets, his own capabilities, his own abilities, he started to sink. Why? Because he was very aware that in his own ability, he should not be able to be walking on the water. <laughs> the only possible way that could happen is if Jesus enabled him to do it. And so Peter starts to think about his own capabilities and he starts to think, how do you relate to that doubt? I resonate with it so much. In fact, one of our knee-jerk responses when we get into trouble or we have a struggle or a challenge is to immediately go to our own assets, isn't it? Uh, how am I going to figure this out? You know, we don't naturally stop, pause, invite Jesus to live his life through us, redirect our gaze to him, redirect our attachment to him. We don't naturally do that. At least I don't. We, we typically knee-jerk response, go to our own assets. And here's what Peter did. So Peter's experienced the stable base of Jesus over and over again. But in, all, in that moment, it all dissipated. It went away. And it went away because we've learned to trust ourselves first. And when we trust ourselves first, we discover we don't have a very large reservoir of courage or ability. And then we get afraid right away. Well, it's good that we get afraid because it's true. We don't have a huge deep reserve of trust and courage in, our, in ourselves uh, based on our own capabilities. And, and so our, our soul is telling us the truth, but that's the lead indicator um, or lead invitation back into attachment to our stable base. So the question is, what is Jesus' intention or his mission in this encounter? What is he trying to do? I think what we see here is Jesus, uh, think again, he's trying to introduce a miracle into the lives of his disciples and into our lives. And that miracle is against all odds that we would come to an intimate, trusting, stable-based relationship with him again. Uh, something similar to what a child experiences. That's the miracle that's, that he's trying to see. And in order to do that, he has to surface our own self-reliance. Um, so he calls Peter out. Peter asks him, hey, if, if it's really you, call me to yourself. And Jesus sees an opportunity here and he calls him. And Peter begins to walk. And you can imagine Jesus' delight as the miracle of trust is happening right in front of him. Um, and then Peter does what we all do. And he, he, he becomes uh, uh, in, into his head, self-reliant, and he starts to sink. And Jesus says, why did you doubt? So think about what a profound question that is. He's really saying, why did you stop trusting your stable base? And it's not an accusatory question as much as it is a diagnostic one. Why, Peter, 
Are you not trusting your stable base right now? Um, what is it about me that is still hard to trust? What is it about your experience of me that makes it still hard to trust? What Jesus is doing is coaxing out of the darkness, Peter's own self-reliance and broken trust. And he's inviting him to take a baby step forward into trust. And he does. And Jesus, what Jesus is encouraging here in Peter is to trust a little more today, trust a little more tomorrow, and then the day after and the day after. The more you experience my heart, trust a little more. Take one more step on the water. That's really what he's inviting us to do as well in our own stable-based relationship with him. Today, take another little baby step on the water. Yes, of course, you're human. I'm human. We're going to default to our self-reliance very often. But what happens if after a while we look back and discover, hey, I'm pretty far from the side of the boat right now. <laughs> I've been walking in trust for a pretty long time now. Look at the miracle of this. I'm walking all this way on the water, all this courage fueled by my trusting stable base relationship with Jesus. He's inviting us back into that childlike attachment to him. So the, the question is, in what ways are you experiencing Jesus leading you back into a childlike attachment to him today? Well, you'll find that invitation um, in the same neighborhood as your fear. So whatever challenges or fears you're facing today, whatever they are, that's where his invitation is to you to step out onto the water again, to take another little baby step toward him, to, to offer him just a little bit more, a thimble full more of trust today because of the way you've experienced his heart, because of the way you've seen him move in your life, because of the way he's loved you because of the way he's been a strong refuge for you, because of the way he's entered into your darkness when you needed him most. So what does courage mean for you today? Well, find your fear. And in that fear, take an intentional step toward him and just tell him like a little kid, I trust you. I trust you. If it would help, you could even just extend your arms out like a child right now as a courageous act of reattachment to him. Just extend them out like a child who, who lost their parent in the grocery store, but then sees them down at the end of the aisle and comes running with their arms in front of them to embrace their, their father or their mother. Just extend your arms out like that child, because that is a courageous act of reattachment to your stable base. Remind Jesus that you trust him not because he needs to hear you, hear you say that to him. He's secure. He doesn't need you, doesn't need you to perform for him. But remind Jesus that you trust him because it's good for you to say it out loud. Let's offer up to him our need for courage. And in that offering, we hear his invitation to reattach again. Well, there you have it, gang. Uh, this is a short episode today. I'm about to head out, uh, taking our, uh, our group of young people for a week-long service experience at Camp Barnabas in Missouri, where 
They'll be serving special needs adults. Each one of them will be uh, given a special needs adult to be with for 23 hours a day. They get one hour a day off. It's the hardest service trip in the world. <laughs> it's just all consuming and exhausting and all also exhilarating. And we'll have many, many, many opportunities to um, point our ship into the storm, to step over the side of the boat toward Jesus, to step into our fear and to step into his invitation to have courage. So I'm about to head out. Uh, I will see you again next time. This again is Paying Ridiculous Attention to Jesus. It's season six, episode 18. You can uh, check that out uh, for links for anything we've talked about today. And uh, remember, this is uh, Paying Ridiculous Attention to Jesus. It's a podcast from ricklawrence.com and you can subscribe on Google Play or iTunes and I'll see you again in about a week.